0: Welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's
1: original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio, and today we are here to discuss episode two of season three of Six Feet Under, titled You Never Know. I'm here today with uh, Chris of the Gravity Beard podcast. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. I guess a little backstory from how we got to this point. Sean, who's been a guest on a couple of episodes so far, he does from the first to last podcast, Uh, you had done one of my favorite shows, The Wire, with him. And <laughs> yeah. I'm going to. We were just talking off mic, so this is probably sound a little bit erratic. Uh, you you favor the Wire over the Sopranos?
0: I do, in my personal opinion. And and yeah. Sopranos, that's the forerunner, right? That's an amazing show. But in my personal opinion, I think the Wire is the best non-comedy TV show of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm like in a crazy Sopranos kick right now. I'm like rewatching like three seasons at a time right now. Uh, it's so underrated how funny the Sopranos was.
0: Well, I mean that's that's the show that started it all, right? The, yeah, it, in yeah. so many ways, it was it was the successful uh, cable show, you know, that did, that wasn't episodic, you know, that were, where they had this, these si- single storylines that went on across yeah. story arcs over multiple episodes. It was the first time that you rooted for an antihero. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was the forerunner for so many things. So
1: I have crazy admiration and respect for Sopranos. I think there was a. St- point in time and i have i have to check it out i have to look up the dates uh because there was a time when six feet under and sopranos was the sunday night lineup you know like one took one took eight to nine and the other one took nine to ten i think you're right and to think that was a time in television where these two shows existed back to back
0: <laughs> yeah unbelievable
1: <laughs> right and, um. and
0: it there was there was really no binging shows back then uh, now yeah, there, there was yeah, yeah. there were DVRs, so you could record it and watch it at other times. But there wasn't there wasn't this collecting shows necessarily. That wasn't really in the mainstream yet.
1: No, because I mean, uh, you know what's crazy? We're recording this on June 9th. Tomorrow is June tenth. But this episode will be released a week from now. Tomorrow is actually the ten year anniversary of the finale of Sopranos. Oh
0: uh, wow, ten years it's been already. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yes, it's been ten years. Uh, total spoilers here, but just the just uh, the whole idea of the whole what he did with that finale. I know we're talking totally on the Sopranos now. Um, yeah, it's just crazy to think about that there was a point in time. And I think there's a few other shows, because I think there was uh, Deadwood was kind of running around this time. Yep, sure was. And and even though it's, not for my taste, doesn't mean it wasn't a great show, Sex in the City. The fact that all of this was like a Sunday night, you know what I mean? And just HBO still doing it, what, fucking... Where are we at now? 12 years later, you know?
0: Yeah, there, there was still the existence of appointment television, right? That was still a thing at the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you said DVR, that's what made me think about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had to be at your couch Sunday night, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I guess to harken back a little bit, so like I said, uh, Chris was on with, with, um, excuse me, Sean, on the, from first to, past, first to last podcast, he had done The Wire, and somewhere in your conversation, it had gotten brought up. Uh, in, instead of me putting words in your mouth, somehow it, did, it got onto the topic of six feet under. And you think of six feet under how?
0: My opinion, I, I watched Six Feet under. I liked it enough that I, I think I own every season. I think I own the show on DVD. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a brilliant show, but that's but I'm really conflicted about it because as brilliant as I think it is, I find almost every single character completely insufferable. <laughs>
1: I, I don't that I don't is. know how Alan Ball created a
0: show that is so amazing, but you, you almost hate every character the entire time. with, with only a few exceptions.
1: <laughs> and it's so funny to think that because it's like at first when I first heard it on, on when you on the podcast with Sean, I was kinda like No. You know, I, I like I, I responded back to you in my head like no. And then I was like, wait, I could easily make a very easy case for how every character is unlikable. No one here is like um Every show has that. Every 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 show has a favorite character. Every single show. Yeah. And I could see here how you could be like, no, none of them are my favorite. Even and it's funny because we were just talking about Sopranos, even like Breaking Bad, right? Like Walt, the the Walt and uh, uh, Tony, the total anti-hero. And here, uh, are they just all too whiny for you? Are they are they all? What what if you had to give like one characteristic as to why you don't like any of the characters? <laughs> is there something you could sum up with it? You
0: know, I'm coming up with this answer on the fly because yeah, I've, ne- I've never been asked that follow up question, which is a perfectly logical question. I, I get, I guess that's it. I, you know, whiny is probably a perfectly acceptable word. There might be even a more descriptive descriptive word, but yeah, they're they're all they're, they're all just at each other's throats. You know, they're always whining. <laughs> they're all kind of dark and droomy. You know, they're, they're always complaining about something. You just go character to character. I, I think. I don't know where it occurred where that opinion occurred to me because it wasn't right away. I think I probably went through the entire series, and and just kind of subconsciously got annoyed by certain characters at different times. But it wasn't until later. I I think it might have been when I decided to go back through the series, and I'm I'm getting into the series again, and I'm thinking I hate all these people. You you know, it's. I I think it probably started with with this is episode one. It started with Brenda. And yeah. and and then they introduce her her brother who I always forget the, yeah. that actor's name Billie. who, I think, is, who um, I think is fine. Someone uh,
1: Channel with not Channel with Jeremy Sisto. But you're yeah, right. Jeremy Sisto. Who I think is yeah. I have
0: no problem with Jeremy Sisto, but when he portrays his character, he's just freaking annoying, and he's <laughs> and, and so I, and then I, and then I so I thought well maybe it's just the two of them, and and mm-hmm. I just don't like the episodes with them. You know, the, not to branch off too much, but like Curb Your no. Enthusiasm, I've never gotten deep into that show because there's so many annoying characters. Even though I I think that's a brilliant show, and I think. I think Larry David is, is amazing and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't watch it because there was too many annoying characters. And so I go back to this and I thought it was just Brenda and, his, and her brother, Billy. And I was like, man if I could just get through that story arc, I'll be fine. <laughs> and then they were gone. They're finally out of the show, basically. And like, no, I still hate the rest of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, I could almost, I wonder if I could go back in time when you were watching this, when you didn't realize it yet, but you were kind of realizing it. like And like I was telling you this off mic, it might be this episode, because it's so funny, like I was telling you, watching this episode with that in mind, like, you know, just like, okay, I'm gonna let this sit here that he, li- he, he, he likes to show, but he doesn't like the characters, and that, that's totally reasonable, that's understandable, even though I've never heard it, and then I'm going through it, like, wow, Rico's super unlikable in this episode, um, you know, fucking the, the, the Nate and Lisa, Lisa's just, her name might as well be unlikable, uh, and you just go through it, it's like, yes, uh, I wonder if it was somewhere around this episode where all the characters are now firmly set. You know, the, a lot of the first season was David battling his uh, sexuality. You know, but now they're they're that's done away with. They're comfortably gay, if that makes sense. Right, you know? right. Um, and it's just funny to think. Let me stop here for a second because Chris is joining us uh, of the Gravity Beer Podcast, and I had said I usually let. The person go ahead and introduce their podcast, but we were talking off mic because <laughs> I feel like we have different, uh, uh, what your podcast is. Uh, when I was going like show description, cause I just don't have time to, you know, barrel through all your episodes. What of course. Of course, um, am I saying it right? It is the gravity beard podcast.
0: Yep, it is.
1: And you're on iTunes and you're on Twitter at gravity beard.
0: It's actually the gravity beard. Cause some guy's squatting on gravity beard.
1: Ah, oh, what a bastard. I know. Can't can't get
0: a hold of the guy. And there's no <laughs> way if he char- tries to charge me money, I'll just say no.
1: Right, right. <laughs> your podcast seemed like you wanted to grab somewhat of the strangest or most interesting people, despite how really interesting people one way or the other, and interviewed them. Now, do I have your podcast wrong? Correct me. What, what's, what, how would you go with your podcast? No,
0: no, no and, and I appreciate you doing that because this is, like, this is almost a cruel game that I like to play with people about my show. <laughs> and and it's, it's not their fault. It's my fault because for the majority of the existence of my show, it's had kind of an identity crisis. And, right.
1: right. And, yeah. And, oh, let, me, let me stop you here. and I, I apologize yeah, because somewhere in the middle too, and I'm someone who loves every once in a while. I'll go back and I'll just go over uh, 2004. Who was the rushing and receiving leader of the NFL? And somewhere in your podcast, I miss all these interviews. There's just the NFL rundown <laughs> or NFL review, whatever. Uh, so with that being said, go on.
0: Yeah. So, so <laughs> a couple of things. Thanks to Chris Brayton from the More Gooder Than podcast, who's, who's a good friend of mine. He's the one that kind of said, hey, you kind of have an interview discussion show. Your, your strong point is interviews. Right. And, and that's what you have, whether you know it or, know it or not. And, and I was like, you're absolutely right. And so that's where I'm kind of settling into. But the explanation for everything before that is that I got into podcasting because because I wanted a creative outlet, and I, if I would have chosen one niche in podcasting, I would have just been bored. You know, my, yeah. my mind my mind's always turning with new ideas, and mm-hmm. and how do you create a show where you can just be experimental? Uh, and so I picked a name that meant nothing, or that I could I could you know create I could make it mean whatever <laughs> I wanted. It's it's completely nonsensical. Right. It has a story, but it, but it means nothing to anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and and now my show is very much. Uh, an experiment and and an idea incubator. So there's been a lot of ideas I've had that never make it to air because they're just not good. And then there's other things that have made it to air and turn out that they're not good. And then everything else kind of makes it through the strainer and either is successful or not. But Mm -hmm. I tried to create a variety show where I could do a lot of different things and which is hard to grow an audience, you know, fundamentally in podcasting. And you just learn that that's not possible mm-hmm. uh, if people don't know what it is. And I understand that, but my show is, is an incubator. And so I've, I've just experimented over time. Now it has settled into being an interview and discussion show where I'm either interviewing someone one-on-one or I've got, I've brought three or four guys in, you know, to have some sort of group discussion. And, and, and I, 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 I think I like, I prefer things that are funny We've done serious things on the show, but I I prefer to draw out interesting and funny people because there's so much seriousness in the world. And so I I try to create this little corner of the world where you don't have to be serious all the time. Or even if it's a serious topic, you can treat it seriously, but you can still have fun with it. Uh, Now, the sports stuff, I tried the sports stuff, but the reality is it's hard to produce a show in a couple of days. And within 20 to 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours, whatever's going on in sports isn't relevant anymore. And, it's and so I so, so I, fast, it yeah. had changes so quickly. So you can't do news or sports or politics or those types of things. And so I just, I, it took me, it took me a few months, but I just learned a hard lesson and I tried some sports stuff cause I'm a huge sports fan and just realized it's hard to, it's hard to pull off. So, uh, so I, I'm going to continue to experiment. There's gonna be lots of things I'll bring to the air. Uh, but, but I probably won't do anything that's time sensitive, but, uh, but, but I, and you nailed it. I think, I think your perception of the show is what it is.
1: You know, it's funny if I, if just putting myself in, in the shoes of, of listening to this and, and I guess, you know, I, part of this is on here. There's like, you know, you're selling your podcast, but we're also, we're talking and it, it's right. Uh, I still don't know what your podcast is about, and that's kind of great because <laughs> there's there's sort of like like a pride in that, right? It just it's a it's a variety show, but I think variety is the most vaguest term you could use. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's a w- correct word uh, to to go about it. Something I, I want to touch upon. Well, r- that r- real quickly, uh-huh. real quick. Mm-hmm. To
0: be to be fair to you, I don't know what my show is about either,
1: <laughs> and, and, and and I'm a year into this thing, and I'm the one that
0: created it. So, so and, and everybody <laughs> tells me that, that a lot of people tell me, hey, I like your show, I listen to it all the time. Uh, but I have no idea what it's about. They, they say, I don't care what it's about because it's because I enjoy it, yeah, 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 which yeah. I appreciate that compliment. Uh, but they don't. They can't put their finger on it. I can't either.
1: Let's try and get into the episode, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, so we're here Let's today, uh, episode two of season three. Our episode today is titled You Never Know. And sometimes I have a little trouble with, with this series of, of understanding... Uh, what the episode title means, but I think it's very clearly here in this episode. Uh, This episode is March 9, 2003, just to give us an idea of where we are time frame. And I'm going to get back to us being in 2003, because I think there's a reason why that's important. But uh, basically, our show starts out, uh, the the death capsule, we see this gentleman, he's calling on his phone, Uh, he gets the, you know, the typical... Uh, sales marketing call, which I wonder if people, <laughs> while we're talking about things that people don't know, I have to imagine this is one of them, right? Like,
0: Well, and, and I'd actually like to say this because it, it, now we're in season three, so you've watched a bunch of episodes. And as the as the viewer, you're used to now, hey, the opening death is going to be really interesting or creative or something. And so as soon as the, the show opens and they show the first scene, you your mind starts racing and you're, you're trying to guess how they're going to die. And there's no way you're going to guess what, this and,
1: one and here yeah, and here's what's funny is uh and i read this on, on one of the comments on av club where and forgive me to the person if you're hearing this i'll give you credit i forget what you know it was five years ago but the comment was if you're if you're a brand new person watching six feet under right let's say you just picked it up randomly season three you're thinking this guy is going to die but if you're a veteran you know like this guy is about to unearth something way bigger because they leave it right there for you. The gas is on and he's holding the match. Right. You're, <laughs> so you're just, you're expecting this explosion. like you, Yeah, a novice you
0: know, is going to blow himself up, right?
1: Right, right. <laughs>
0: a novice viewer is like, oh, that guy's going to explode himself.
1: Right, right. And, and and the show purposely makes it so you could hear the gas. Like, you know, how could you hear the gas beyond what? That's the whole point, right? Right. And then we get with, um, I mean, I, I know later on there's a little bit some that are this uncomfortable. But this is one of the most brutal Opening death capsules in the show, right? To my memory, I thought the exact same thing. It was, oh my gosh, like this is frightening. Now, the reason why I want to bring up the, the 2003 is because, so, so two two episodes. I started out this season with me and me and uh, David Green. We did uh, basically how would this show be in 2017, right? I don't think they could have done this in today's television climate. This shit strike hits too close for where we're at in 2017 yeah you right well like the uh-huh. the, the
0: idea of the, the the phrase the pop culture phrase going postal was around yeah. back then mm-hmm. so you had some it, there was this weird string of, of former postal workers going up and shooting up post offices right but that was about it you, you're absolutely right there wasn't this this constant you know uh, stories on the news of similar things happening like well, that's is. the
1: thing. Yeah, when I was thinking about this, like, there's like three of these a week, and where we are, at least me, and I don't mean this in a bad way, I'm numb to it. Like, there's there's every day there's there's always there's a fucking school shooting, there's something, and I'm always like, at the point where I'm completely numb to it. Well,
0: it's it's I, this weird combination because you have you have these random acts of of whatever crazy people um, dovetailed into into today's terrorism, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's not always terrorism. You have this. You, maybe there's some guy that goes crazy on a college campus and has nothing to do with terrorism. But then you have this right. pr- a pretty regular stream of, of, ter- of terror acts as well. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's like yeah. a double down on these kind of things.
1: And I, get, I guess two other things is this is the first time thus far in the show where we get multiple deaths in one scene. And I, I guess to harken back to, to, to this being 2003, I don't know if this is going to sound right coming out of my mouth, but. Being that we're sort of post nine eleven, and you know, obviously rather close, we're a year and change away. An episode like this, or at least a death capsule like this, is almost a relief compared to what you were, we were going through at that time. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, because because something like this is is not light, but. It couldn't exist in today's world. It's, it's
0: it's it was horrific to watch, and it's a horrific thing to happen, even in the real world or on TV. But it was mild compared to 911. It's kind of exactly, yeah.
1: yeah. And you know, we're, we're like I said, we're a year and a half away from 911 at this point, and this is it. This gives me the chills just to see, you know, just every time this happens, and whatnot. Uh, you kind of just to see it on film like that is like, oh my god.
0: Yeah, it was hard to watch. It was definitely yeah. hard to watch.
1: And, and you know, to go to go into the episode, we see that Rico is doing the arrangements with one of the families, uh, and um, you know, Nate pops in at the last second uh, to sort of help Rico, but you know, <laughs> Rico's all done doing the arrangements. When when they're sitting down with the family of the killer, I believe, or if I remember correctly, his name was Daniel, and the the sort of the storyline for Rico in this episode is basically he was raised wrong if right and like if, if if his parents would have done a better job parenting or you know if anyone could have seen the warning signs better this would have never happened uh i guess we could we could go let me start here we're both not on rico's side
0: well or are you i i i'm not, i wouldn't say i'm on rico's side i would say i can understand his perspective like i, I don't think it's, Perspective is is outrageous. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm on his side, but it but it's it's not compl- it's understand right. It's not right. completely unreasonable.
1: I would just think someone, and I think he is fairly young in this in this part of of where we're at in Six Feet Under, because uh, I think I think I'm some I'm someone who believes in like you know you're not the same person you were a year ago, and the whole idea of like this guy could have been raised perfect, you know, every day two parents and dinner every day, and we could talk on and on about. Whether Where we stand on Rico. Uh, right. Kind of what I wanted to kind of take the, the the conversation is, you know, we see that Rico, the, where, where Rico starts to have the problem is on one day they're going to be serving um, uh, one of the characters that, that died was Jacobs. Uh, they're going to be serving Mr. Jacobs' family. And the next day is going to be the killer's family. Uh, where do you stand here? Now, are you here with Rico or with David? Where Rico's like, you know. I'm not doing this. This is crazy. Or you more with David is we're here to honor, you know, help the family and whatnot.
0: I thought I thought David I thought David's compromise was a reasonable compromise. Hey, we're we're gonna take this business and this is why, but we're gonna do it on separate days. Yeah. I thought that was a, a reasonable compromise.
1: Uh, I had people I work with, I had asked. I've never been a part of something like this. I had asked because you always have you know, veterans that are still working in the funeral industry, you know, people who were there around the 70s, whatnot, and I had asked, hey, have you ever done anything like this? And uh, basically, they said yes, and they had to make a full disclosure. One time, the family left and went to another funeral home. The other time, they were okay with it. So, they've been around, and not this, not an office shooting, but something where the person who was responsible for that death was in the same funeral home. Oh, wow. And... Uh, I think at the very least as a moral standpoint right uh you just have to let both families know and I guess from there on they kind of make their own decision you know? let
0: let the well, chips fall where they may yeah i right. i guess um yeah when David said we're gonna do it on separate days and it's not about the guy that died it's about helping his family you know, yeah. with the, that that actually softened me on david's position
1: well yeah because I mean rico's sitting here blaming the family and it's like it doesn't even matter what they did up to this point. Right. These poor people are still grieving. They, they, they that, that was still sure. their yeah. brother, their whoever, you know. Well,
0: on one hand, they you know, they've lost someone. But on the other hand, they have to live with the fact that the person they lost is responsible for this horrific act. So yeah. it's, it's not like yeah. they're okay with it. And, and, yeah. and, uh, and certainly, I'm no arm, armchair psychologist. Um, but, but, it, but obviously, you know, Rico, although you want, you want to like, ah, I mean, I guess I understand your perspective, but that perspective is completely ignorant right? Yeah to, yeah. to your point earlier, you could raise them just fine and they could still turn out like a, like a psycho. So, so that's a real, that's a really ignorant, uh, you know, immature perspective on that situation.
1: And I think part of that too, is how young Rico is supposed to be in this show. Cause I'm just right. going to say he's under 30 and yeah, you know, that just kind of stuff when you grow up, you just kind of realize, you know, it's like, Oh shit. You know, you get these little life realizations Yep. Um, to me, six feet under six feet under does humor. Great. Cause you know, it's, it's a rather serious show and, and, Uh, when when there is humor, it's kind of probably funnier than it would be anywhere else. But to me, one of the funniest moments, probably in the series, I never laughed so hard is when David's like, well, whatever, you know, you kind of have to get used to it. You need to go pick up his body. And Rico, without missing a step, (laughs) just, you know, fuck you, you do it yourself. (laughs) Nothing to do with this. I love, I rewind that a few times. I just love (laughs) the way Rico is so emphatic. And I guess, let me ask you here, and let's not harp on it too long, is that part of the not liking of let's just say the rico character i'm going to bitch about not wanting to be a part of this despite it being a business fuck you go do it yourself well there's
0: there's two dimensions to to that exchange one is you know rico at this point in the series is now a partner yeah you you, you know it's fisher and diaz and so it's david's doing two things one he's being he's being almost um disrespectful because he's he's a partner now not not the employee and two, he's making Rico do something when he's clearly expressed a strong opinion about the situation. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's kind of jabbing Rico on two fronts. Now, regarding the other, the other question, ironically, even though I have a problem with almost every character in the show, even in this episode, <laughs> Rico is the one that I, I probably am not completely annoyed by. He's probably my favorite character in the entire series.
1: Wow, that's so funny! You know what's funny? Uh, the the episode before, which you hadn't heard yet, uh, at this point people would have heard it. Uh, the people had done a, a podcast before me. It was called Fishercast, and they all hated Rico. And it got to the point where they were like, "I hope Rico dies next week." You know, they were all watching <laughs> it one, and now it's so funny. The next week, I'm here, and you're like, "Well, kind of." Rico is my favorite. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I don't know why he's uh, and, and and Nate <laughs> Nate Nate. I don't mind too much at certain points in the series, but but Rico yeah. is probably the, the guy that I that I dislike. The least, everyone yeah. say
1: that. Yeah. Later, we get kind of like a retro six feet on the throwback where where we get these these the, the deceased bodies who start talking to, you know, the living, and it's just kind of their 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 manifestation, their conscious talking to them. Those, uh, those are
0: my favorite scenes in the series, not just this episode, <laughs> but I think those are the coolest scenes sometimes. Uh,
1: you know, it, it, that's a question I get mostly that, you know, do they ever talk to you or do you ever do anything like this? And, you know, the answer is always no. I'm, I'm usually, I always say, I have like my Bluetooth in, I'm listening to whatever. But kind of the idea here is that, and we'll see it at the end of the episode, is that, you know, hey, Rico, you're not that different from me, the guy who just went crazy in, in a work office that like, yeah, you might not snap today. And his idea of not snapping is punching and throwing what wall- <laughs> Punching and throwing stuff at walls, which you should be able to handle, handle your anger better at this point in life. Uh, but you will snap one day.
0: Oh, yeah. No, uh, that was a chilling line. When, when Daniel yeah. Showalter issues that line to Rico, I thought that was really chilling.
1: And that's true, right? Like, me and you, I, I'm going to presume you're normal. You can presume I'm normal. But we're, pro- we're not that far away from that. I, I, I would, like, without sounding crazy... Do you understand what I mean? Or do oh yeah, I sound well totally I, I guess the well the, the
0: the I think the right way to say it might be you don't know how close you are.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you might I be mean,
0: much closer than you think, but the reality is you don't know.
1: Yeah, and I guess to the, the show's theme, right? You never know. You never know anything that's, that's going right. on. Um, that's right. But yeah, I mean, I could get I could go into work tomorrow, get fired, and that's what it takes. Vice versa, yeah. I could whatever you know. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I like that at the end of the episode, though, we see that Rico, it's it almost seems like he realized it and went to go hug his child. Right. I mean, that's kind of what happened.
0: Yeah, that's a great scene. And, and, and I have I have I have kids. I have two little boys about that age. Uh-huh. His son's a little older, I think, but I have kids about that age. And so I, I understood I understood that scene.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of what I would think when the scene started, I, f- I remember the the, the big Big hits of six feet under, but when, you know, something like this, when he walks in the house and I'm like, I don't remember him snapping. Cause I'm like, oh my God, he's going to snap and probably fucking throw stuff. And no, he just, he's like, he kind of swallows it all in, takes a deep breath and hugs his son. It's like, yes, he doesn't, he may snap one day, but he doesn't want to snap today. <laughs> but
0: t- today, Today's not that day.
1: <laughs> uh, Something I should have started out the episode with. Uh, I don't know how, how you do these podcasts. If you do your notes or whatever. Is there anything you picked up on that was somewhat out of the norm for a six feet under episode? On oh, the man. top of your head, no. That's a
0: great question, but I don't, th- I don't think there is.
1: There is, and I should have, there is a crazy amount of food references in this episode to the point where I rewatched it a, a third time. Just to get all of them. One, two, three, four. No kidding. Five, six, seven. V- visual eight, references eight, nine, or, 10, or verbal references. 11, 12, 13, 14. I have fifteen verbal references. No kidding.
0: That's not interesting. Not visual.
1: I didn't even uh, take into account the the the, the, um, the vision. Um. And here's the thing. The only reason why I kind of pointed out is because they sit down and they write these episodes, and this is not like a like a Kirby enthusiasm where the actors are allowed to to um. Ad lib. Imp- improvise. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> These are all scripted, and I kind of – I guess at the end, I'll go through all of them, but I have 15 noted food references because it kind of – and I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go through some of it here because in the beginning, there's the macaroni and cheese. Uh, when when Nate and Lisa are in bed – I'm going to go through where we're at up to the episode so far. Uh, in the morning, when, when uh, Nate and uh, Lisa are in bed, Carol calls on the answering machine. There's the miniature corn muffins. <laughs> right. Ruth – Ruth is cutting coupons for the beef blast pizza rolls. She right. asks Claire if she wants one. I'm going to go through all of them. Screw it. When Sarah calls Ruth on the answering machine, she mentions her potato salad, and Ruth goes, I hated her potato salad. Phil's prom date, he said she smells like fried chicken.
0: I enjoyed Lisa- that line. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Are you, what are you talking about? Who smells like fried chicken? <laughs>
1: they smell great. Uh, and Lisa asks, what? Uh, David likes she mentions eggplant Uh, when Lisa is cooking her dinner for the night uh, Lisa asks well rather Nate just goes up and tries her polenta and they make it a point that he tried it Carol when she calls Lisa uh, she needs to give them the recipe for her uh, vinaigrette salad Claire and Russell when they're talking about what they do when they're up at night they have a Captain Crunch cereal Uh, this is not food but it's food related Uh, when they're grilling Keith mentions, "Uh, you need to use mesquite wood chips." Yep. When Lisa puts Carol to bed after the dinner, uh, she says she used eight slices of cinnamon toast and a popsicle. Uh, when when Sarah is is, uh, God, withdrawing and, and and you know, Bettina makes everyone food. Uh, she you know she mentions that she made egg salad. When Phil is there at the house towards the end of the episode, she asks if she wants any of his meatloaf. Uh, when Lisa's driving out to Culver City. She said she's going to make a carrot uh, carrot soup for her. And in that same conversation, she's going to make rice pudding with whole milk because whole milk gives her diarrhea. Right.
0: I enjoyed that line as well. That's incredible. How this
1: th- uh, yeah. And how it ties into the episode, no idea. No I'm idea. Sometimes just not smart enough to, to take some of the things. I never understood the whole Brenda, Billy whole family dynamic and I say it almost every episode I don't know I don't know how to take that in I don't know what that's I'm supposed to feel or what that's supposed to tell right. me about the characters um but yes there's they made all these specific reasons and these characters to say these lines if someone out there knows why <laughs> there's so much food in this episode so, let me so know is it is it your theory they did that on purpose I have I I'm someone I could sort of create something I could take a branch and grow I got nothing <laughs> I got nothing well, maybe usually, usually it's may- Ruth usually it's Ruth being like the the the, the homie yeah. the mom the comforting you know the the nurturing it's everyone you know the that's fuck good. if
0: I know that's a great point so, so whether or not you know the explanation
1: do you, do you think they did it on purpose uh, yes Interesting. once you know what there's I, I, I noted 15 references eight Eight, you kind of got me, right? Eight, like I don't know, maybe kind of. You could have swung one way. Maybe there was like you know these sort of the things that we never know as the audience. But maybe there was like four writers involved, but only one got the credit and you know how all that stuff goes. Yep. Fifteen. I mean, come on, and I'm probably missing like three, two or three. You know, right? Fifty. I mean, do you think it's it's um it's it's intentional 15
0: you know with these kind of quirky cable shows for sure you know like like a writer or somebody could get some idea in their head and they're like ah, let me see if i can pull almost like a dare let me see if i can pull this off <laughs> right like you can see you could see yeah, a couple writers yeah, on staff yeah. going hey I, I, I i'll bet you a 100 bucks you can't get 15 food references into this episode right i think that's i think that's really possible he's like he's like you're on totally 15 easy like challenge me <laughs> it's like you're paying me a hundred bucks you just the pro- watch
1: the producer just asked me to take out five you'd be like <laughs> right
0: right i'm gonna write in 20 because i know he's gonna cut some of them
1: but i'm gonna win this bet oh my god that's so funny yeah i mean that's that's the best explanation i'll probably hear. yeah like like it's not a it's, bet it's, in it's the writer's room it's not a
0: network show so not as many eyes are on it right it's it doesn't it doesn't have that kind of that kind of oversight
1: yeah yeah
0: they're like, I don't know, just make a great show. That, that's what HBO says, just make a great show.
1: <laughs> they didn't say anything about the limit of food references. <laughs> right. Just a good show. <laughs> there's,
0: no, there's, no, there's no corporate rule at HBO. You can't make more than 15 food references.
1: <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's funny. I didn't even do any research as to why he did this. Uh, I believe the writer was Scott Buck, who I think I know mostly from, from Dexter. Yeah, uh, I saw that.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that
1: up, actually. Uh, well, you got any tie-ins there to the, no, I just, I just noticed just that noticed I, I expected
0: Scott Buck to go along with Alan Ball on different projects, but instead yeah. he, he was on two different Michael C. Hall projects, which I thought was interesting. Cause that's kind of just a coincidence unless Michael C. Hall said, Hey, I really love Scott Buck.
1: Yeah. No, at this point, at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, usually um, a writer, a
0: writer, director, whatever goes with, with a creator, not, not a, mm-hmm, not a certain mm-hmm. actor. maybe that's just a coincidence, but yeah, two great shows. I love Dexter too.
1: Yeah. Uh, if we could sort of move to, uh, Nate and Lisa and, and her boss, Carol, if, if uh, of the course of five seasons, I guess without spoilers, whatnot, is Carol <laughs> thus far where I'm at in the show three and a half seat, three, uh, you know, two seasons, two episodes, Carol, this, she drives me insane. <laughs> this Carol character.
0: Y- I- y- yeah. Talk about rooting for someone's death. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine O'Hara is an amazing actress, so uh, amazing. I'm assuming we'll get to Kathy Bates because she is too. But Catherine yeah. O'Hara, uh, you know, she's a terrific actress and she played this part so perfectly. Like like she like she nailed it. <laughs> like you want you're supposed to hate that character and boy You do.
1: I mean, yeah, and and you know, to have Nate and Lisa, which I can understand why anyone would hate, especially Lisa, right? You have this this Catherine character. Think about how. Great, she is. Where she comes in a scene, and you feel bad for Lisa. Absolutely right. <laughs> that's amazing writing. That's a that great point. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh like the first the first scene that we get is there. Nate and Lisa are in bed, and and they're having sex,
0: re- re- really awkwardly.
1: By the way. Well, that's what I wanted to say. Is that it's so weird that I never thought this was anything cute or like partner like where. You're having sex, and and your boss calls on the answering machine, and to be funny, you're repeating what your boss is saying while you're having sex. You're whispering it in your partner's ear. <laughs> it's just, uh, I get, I get the, the the child being there. I I guess right. Um, is that what you found weird, or did you find something else weird just, about Just it? the just. I don't want to get into a lot of detail about it, but, <laughs> yeah. but just, just just their
0: conversation. Aside, aside from the answering machine thing, but just their conversation. About yes, about yes. the act is like that Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I how the, do you how convers- do you stay in the mood and enjoy that when you're <laughs> yeah. talking
1: like that? Like But yeah, it felt ridiculous. so clinical. It was like, right well, should should I get in the exposition or whatever? Right uh, I it, it, it sounded just like the they weird. were
0: hanging a picture on the wall. Like is this where you like to hang a picture? It was, yeah, no it was, no <laughs> It's just ridiculous.
1: I just found it weird that while they were Nate was having sex, right? Uh he's just repeating what Carol's saying. Yeah, just that's like, just another that's, level of weirdness yeah. for sure.
0: But, but, th- but, this sh- but this show is, is super weird. So uh, to me, it just fits in the tone of the show. So in that way, it's
1: perfect. I love it when if, if I kind of gauge my weirdness of the show is when I find something weird and I'm coming in as a quote-unquote funeral director and I find something weird, it's like, yes, we're definitely a step above. We're outside of the, the quote-unquote weirdness. Um, later in the episode, right, when Lisa's cleaning Maya's ear, and the two, they kind of have like this little flare-up about it. Uh, I'm not a parent. You said you are a parent. I understand kind of both of their – I can imagine you, your first child, Chris, you were just – you probably had something like this where it's like, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa are you being careful? What are you doing? No, that, like, that was it, a very realistic conversation.
1: Yeah. And it's actually. like, of course I'm being careful. This is my child too.
0: Right. She's offended because you're saying you're, she's a terrible mother and she's not careful right. with your baby. And you're saying, <laughs> I don't know. You're like, you're not paying attention. You're, you don't hurt mm-hmm. – because, because you're concerned about their hearing and their eyesight and their development, yeah, so for sure. Yeah. yeah I I've, I've felt the emotions in that exchange.
1: What what I liked about, I guess, cause you know, later later Nate apologizing, it's this real heartfelt apology, right? And while, while I guess for, first what we see is Carol calls Lisa to, to tell her this vinaigrette salad recipe. And before she goes away, Nate gives this real heartfelt apology about how they had this little flare up. And it's just like, hey, listen, it's just that's my daughter. That's your daughter, too. You're a great mother. What I liked here is you can literally see to me, right? You could see in Nate's eyes when he's making this heartfelt apology and I love you. And Lisa kind of has to like shoo off because her boss is on the phone yelling at her. You literally see Nate going to me. You, you see Nate going from like, I'm really sorry. I love you, to. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me!
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure, and that and that's good acting, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, because to me, it literally happened within seconds. Yeah, you know, and it's subtle, so you got to be really good at it. Yeah, it's just like in the blinking of an eye, just goes to right there, uh, you know. And, and sort of their their storyline with this episode, and just man, we could do probably a whole podcast just on what happens from this dinner scene, where you know David and Keith come over, um, and we'll get to David and Keith later, but. I, I guess after the dinner, right, Lisa <laughs> – it's funny how they both have the same things, right? Because Lisa says, well, you know, why do they stay together if they've been together this short amount of time, but they're already in therapy? And it kind of – it reflects what Keith says is, God, I, I can't believe someone like Lisa is this out of touch with reality. Um, you know, and Lisa's like, not like they have a kid already.
0: Right, right. <laughs> and, and then, and then the, the accidental conversation through the baby monitor. Right. It's right. So uh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I, I guess I guess let's go here right to the dinner scene. Uh, uh, and again, uh, we're, we're kind of hopping over here. I liked when when, you know, because well, again, we'll get to David and Keith, but uh, Nate opens the door and David and Keith are being chummy. Right. Right. You know, they're being and, affectionate and towards each other. Right. Which is a rare thing on the show for them. Uh, I found it adorable when they called each other bitch. <laughs> they're doing something, right? And they're just like, "You better, bitch, whatever." Uh, and it's yeah. just funny. That's that's the level of affection <laughs> that you get from them. Right. Exactly. There's quite a during this dinner scene. There's quite a few secrets being revealed, right? Because you see that once Keith flushes the toilet, <laughs> right? We, we find out that 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 David told Nate about uh, Keith's uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, we get that Keith doesn't want to have kids. David told him about therapy, which didn't sound like he was supposed to. Well,
0: yeah, this, you know. oh, there's so much packed into that short that short dinner they're, they're,
1: scene. There's so much. It's just, that's what I'm saying. Like we could just do an episode on this. You know these these seven minutes of just a dinner scene. Uh, something I found interesting is that Keith keeps calling Maya the baby it. You oh, know wow. she was like <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> Every time he goes when when he's like. David's like, "Why did you flush?" And he keeps going. It was awake. He never called it Maya, her, she. It's always it. You know, it was it. It wasn't sleeping. Um, and, and it's just funny because you hear a few moments later, Keith's like, "If we have kids, you know."
0: Right, right, and 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 that's that's also a very where, where the, you know it doesn't have to be a gay couple that that conversation that hangs over a couple until a decision's made. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. That's
0: a, that's a hard conversation. It really is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you'll you'll agree with me here when I say this because they're talking about therapy and David's like, you know, not that we fight, but we need to go to therapy, whatever. Uh, Lisa says, and, and if you're <laughs> – depending on where you are in life, you will roll your eyes at this or you'll agree. Uh, Lisa says, me and Nate never fight.
0: Right, right. I Maybe. have
1: to imagine you rolled your eyes. Uh, Absolutely, because like, yeah. they showed
0: three scenes or something in the episode <laughs> leading up to that where they were fighting, obviously. <laughs> And then there's plenty <laughs> more as, as the episode continues.
1: Uh, just the idea. I, I find always find it of funny where if, if a couple, even in your real life, I'm, t- I'm going outside of a six feet there now, a couple who proudly says we never fight, there's a breakup on the way. There's a huge fight on the way. There are major other problems. Fighting is hell. Uh, how do I say this without sounding like I know everything? Maybe just back me up if you if you agree here. Fighting is healthy. Healthy fighting is good. within well, a relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just give you a personal note. When I went to premarriage counseling, we we very proudly announced to our counselor that we never fight, and he said, and we were we were expecting praise, and he responded with, "I'm very concerned to hear you say that." <laughs> And, and then, he, <laughs> and then he unpacked, you know, why, why that was. And then it made sense to us. And of course, you know, we've been married 10 years and we've, we've fought a lot, you know, because, cause that's what couples do. Uh, but then we learned that it's fighting is, is healthy, uh, but you got to fight fairly. And once you learn how to do that, then it's a really healthy part of your relationship. And if, that maybe not fighting, but you can have conflict. Conflict is probably a better word.
1: If I may ask, how old were you when you went to pre-marriage counseling or?
0: Oh, early thirties. Wow. You know, 32, 33, somewhere in there.
1: That's funny. Yeah, I've, I've always, uh, I remember I was way younger, right? I remember a relationship where we said we never fought. And then I remember having been later in the relationship fighting so much that I looked back on that time. Because I remember we I was with her mother. And I just remember like, God, I can't believe there was a point in time where we said <laughs> we never fight. Oh, yeah. You uh, just feel well, <laughs> fool, foolish ex- as can be. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God. What an idiot I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh again the, the, there's also that that the kind of uh, of on the idea that they don't fight uh we see this little flare-up where nate and lisa uh, uh flaring up about the detergent that nate used the wrong detergent i'm kind of with nate here is like if we can, if no one can use this detergent because maya can't use it because of her allergies and i can't use it because if i'm holding maya i don't know understand why they have the detergent in the house
0: that was my response if if, <laughs> if there's an issue with the detergent it never comes in the door
1: yeah right like like if everyone's allergic to apples and i can't even eat apples because someone else is allergic fuck apples right um, well <laughs> i can relate
0: just as a guy like I, like i'm a dude i'm not gonna keep track of which detergent is good or bad like that yeah. I, that's not how my brain works that's not on my mind <laughs> i'm just gonna open up the cabinet and i'm gonna use some detergent like if there's not yeah. this or that detergent there's just detergent <laughs> yeah
1: uh, uh but but with, with that little fight or whatever you want to call about the detergent and then we see where where nate kind of stays uh, at the Fisher house for an extra hour, you could kind of see what what's sort of stirring up, simmering between them, you know?
0: Yeah, where and, he says, I, I got to stick around because I got a bunch of stuff to do. And then it's him on the couch watching TV. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure.
1: Uh, if we could move, and we'll get back to the, the actual end where they're, where they're talking about, you know, Nate, what has to go do. Uh, to move to Claire and Phil, uh, your thoughts on Claire? Because I know Claire could be kind of whiny too.
0: Yeah, you know, listen, I I can I can relate to almost any kind of person, right? Because yeah, I've lived just enough life that I've probably been in different people's shoes at different times, different seasons or whatever, but but yeah, like just the whiny, you know, <laughs> just the whiny, you know, teen or early 20s or whatever that's just but, just overly dramatic and everything's just so fatal and like man, just you you haven't lived that long. Just get over yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you could hear it all when I asked you. Your first two responses was like a sigh. <laughs> in that sigh, I could just hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, like, again, I'm not a perfect human being, so I try no, not to. Be I, know, I, know. Too, I try not to yeah. be too hard on any particular person or t- you know.
1: But, but yeah, that's just whatever. <laughs> uh, and I guess I guess this Phil character kind of. I mean, he's. Um, no, oh, I got no, I got
0: no use for any of her boyfriends in the entire series. Like they're all a bunch of losers. <laughs>
1: right like like there's just not one person we're like oh i hope
0: this one works because he's real he's oh, you know, like wow. she's terrible at picking people
1: wow let me think without my head Are any of them... i could be
0: i could be wrong my memory's not that great but no I know,
1: i'm know. i just trying to think if i if i would, would ever want to get a beer with any of them um, <laughs> or if you'd want your
0: daughter to date any of the people that she dated
1: wow maybe the guy at the end the yeah I, and I, I can't remember that i can't remember maybe she starts but even he better. was kind of too it's like, dude, why don't you just loosen up a little bit? Anyways, uh, but this guy Phil, right? The crematory television watcher, and you—you—you've seen a lot of shows. You know that how this episode starts, where Claire and Phil, and Phil is just having this like total. You are the perfect woman. You're perfect. Everything you do is perfect, and everything. Uh, when a, when a connection is this strong, you just know either someone fucked up or someone's about to fuck up, right? When yep. it's that strong. Yep. Uh, 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 me, uh, you, you're, you said you were married, Chris. I'm someone who's single and I date. I would be pissed if, if I was in Claire's shoes and this is the conversation we had after it's being sold. Like Phil knew what he was doing. And I guess if you're as good looking as Phil, right? Do you, when they had this conversation at the end where Phil's just basically like, Oh, you didn't think we were exclusive, right? Uh, where where do you stand on that?
0: Well, I'm gonna back up one step and whoever issues yeah. the line that he's Keanu Reeves. I thought that was I guess <laughs> uh, was there uh, other, Russell, was there, Russell, yeah, yeah, yeah that, yeah. that was a brilliant line. <laughs> that was really damn funny.
1: Because he has his
0: own band or whatever. Yeah, she's like, oh, well, apparently he's Keanu Reeves or whatever he Mm says. That's mm -hmm, that's a great line. mm -hmm. Kudos to the writer for that one. Because Keanu Reeves is a real person, right? Yeah. I don't know if if Keanu Keanu Reeves watches Six Feet Under, but that was a great reference and not very complimentary. So I thought that was funny. Uh, No, I mean, clearly Phil's a jackass, right? Like, the guy's a, a, a king jerk like I mean obviously he's just manipulating her like any like guys do and that's a terrible thing to do and he's just using yeah. her you know like he's probably using several other girls and so that was a heart-wrenching scene and uh and, and as much as annoying as Claire is and i I feel as much as annoying as she is throughout the series I also feel bad for her, right uh, but but yeah i particularly felt bad for her then because that was terrible
1: now here's what's interesting and it's kind of this is another one of those things where it could kind of go. A few ways so after they have this and, and like again the reason why i kind of feel for claire is it's not because they were just dating and they weren't serious yet like he made it a point to say these really nice and sweet things absolutely and maybe that doesn't mean you're exclusive but you kind of don't have to i don't know i don't want to get into the whole dating thing but he he, he sold her he presented himself as one person and told her and, and made her believe in everything and then he kind of like pulled the rug out where it was just like oh you didn't think like i kind of meant all that right uh, but then after they have this conversation, you see Claire get up, and I, I think this is good acting by Lauren Ambrose, I believe. Yep. Where she, you see her process everything, where she's like, "Asshole, I'm not gonna flip out. I'm not asking you to leave. Let's go upstairs." Why do you think in that moment does she say? Does she kind of is she kind of okay with it?
0: I I don't know. I I noticed that whole sequence too, and I didn't spend enough time meditating you know yeah. to really to really answer your question um i i was i wanted her to throw him out <laughs> but that's the, <laughs> the, but that but that's the cliche right to throw them out yeah it, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's more complex and, and it, it makes her a more complex character to do the other because then you're like oh man what's going on in her brain yeah. um uh, I, d- I don't know that's
1: that's a great question you know just i don't know because at, at, at my first my first watching i was like huh I, i'm I, I need to think about why she chose that way. And then I was like, maybe because the way she, he makes her feel about herself or maybe just kind of like, okay, now that it's kind of decided, right? Because it's not the worst thing in the world if you two people are like, hey, we're not exclusive, but we're going to have fun. Uh, as long as, you know, both parties, quote unquote, agree. Uh, I just don't know if she was like, I like the way he makes me feel or I'm okay with this well, it, setup. It,
0: it's it's a number of things. First, in the earlier scene that you reference, you don't say those things to someone if you're not exclusive. Like you don't say all of those things. You might be right, com- you might right. be complimentary, but man, he was really just laying it on thick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But regarding the question in the in the, in the later scene, um, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of layers, and it you know, what was it a destruct? Was it a moment where she heads down a destructive path, or it's a moment of destruction? Maybe, or like you said did she process all this stuff pretty quickly, go through this quick series of emotions. And then she arrived at a, at a point of compromise that she decided in the moment that she was okay with.
1: Like, yeah, like it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. Yeah. It's it's somewhere in there. Yep. Uh, it's and on again, that so spectrum. I, and, and it's somewhere where you are in your life where you're okay with someone just being like, Hey, we're not exclusive. Maybe you shouldn't be as you know, laying it on as heavy as Phil. Um, but yeah, I, and again, I'm, kind of like we were talking of Mike. I don't know if we were talking on Mike either. I forget where it goes after this, where, you know, uh, so i would be interested to see what happens with that. Uh, to touch on someone who definitely shows up later because he's a great actor, uh, we, we meet Russell, her, her friend at school. Um, the, my, my note that I have about him is, is, you know, it's a badge of honor on this show that if a character that's presented as weird, if, if I receive that character as weird and being that we're in a funeral home, this this little, you know, it, it's a quick scene where they're just talking, and he has all these. He's the one who says, "All right, the Keanu Reeves joke." Uh, right. He's an odd character, and he's sold as that. And I just know he is because you know, you know, he's a big actor, so he's not here for a one-off.
0: Right. 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 I I, I like that character. I like the character mm-hmm, of Phil.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess I guess the the other thing, uh, just to to go back for a second, uh, I something I had written down is that. Uh, a, a person can never not be misunder offended, or misunderstood if you start the conversation with, "Were you under the impression that?" Because oh, the way right. Fi, the way Phil starts it, he's just kind of like, "Oh no, you you totally understood this." But always that person who says it. It's like the person who says not to be racist, but you know that it's almost a racist thing's going to come out next.
0: Yeah, or can I be honest? Or <laughs> yeah, any, any of those <laughs> yeah. kind of lead-ins. You're like, oh, he's about right, to say right. something offensive. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. going to like the next part of the sentence.
1: And it just when he said that line, uh, like, Phil oh. is also that that character is brilliantly out to lunch, right? Like he's he's probably always spacey, yeah. Like you know, uh, he's probably he's probably always like, oh yeah, you know.
0: And I'm sure he's um, really good at his job at the crematorium. Well, yeah, he's probably <laughs> awesome at that. Like he's probably just a real stand up employee, right?
1: <laughs> like
0: that's not a guy you want to hire to work in your business, uh-huh, right?
1: Uh huh. Um. I mean, no. Now we're in 2017. Every once in a while, something we get a flare-up from our industry where someone basically misidentifies a body. And he seems like the exact person that would kind of do that and bring everything about the industry down, you know? Yep. He definitely seems like, you know, that guy who does it. To move to David and Keith, we see David is stuck, you know, retrieving Mr. Mr. Daniel uh, from the morgue. And Keith has this therapy session by himself I don't know when, when he's kind of uh, you know he's kind of freaking out or the counselor tells him why don't you talk to David like he's here and David uh, Keith just goes through all these you know I hate this I hate this I hate this your head is heavy something about wheat or whatever um, you know and we see after where where Keith is like you know I I'm not sure if we're having kids Dave the, the two of them are heading on this this collision course you know, we, we, we sort of start to see it at the beginning of the season, last season with Nate and Brenda, where we you are just like, oh, that's troublesome. That's troublesome. You could kind of see it here with with David and Keith. I loved and it's something I've never heard. I loved in the therapy session where Keith goes. I thought that I, I thought by being gay I'd avoid fucking my own mother. But I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a what yeah. a great line as you know, just God, uh, that, is a, that is a great line something on the other side of the coin that I don't see or hear often it's like you know they, they say you know you guys grow up to marry their own mother and all that and <laughs> I never even thought to to occur to me where, where he says that and he's just like yeah how wrong was I yeah just, just such
0: such profound disappointment in, in, that, in that realization
1: yeah uh, do you have anything on, on David and Keith because that, that's kind of where their episode goes is that this thing about the kids and the flare-up and whatnot you know uh,
0: I think David and Keith, David and Keith and Billy and Brenda are the foremost examples of what we talked about at the top of this episode where I just tune them out because I think they're so damned annoying and whiny and stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) man, just like, like like so many times when I watch this show, I wanted to fast forward all their scenes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because I know what's going to happen. Like they're going to bicker and they're going to fight and they're going to talk about the other relationship is doomed and. And so I'm like, man, that, you know, the shows like this are not, there's not a lot of cliches. And I just yeah. feel like that's a bit of a cliche.
1: Yeah. And, and it's kind of, you know, it took two seasons for the Nathan and the thing to unfold, which, which it's fun how it happened. But yeah, I mean, th- these two are constantly, rarely are they ever. The happiest they were, I feel like, was this episode when they slapped each other's ass and called each other a bitch. Right. Um,
0: and that lasted for two and a half seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, like literally. It's a, um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Uh,
0: yeah, like they're going to they, fi- fight and be unhappy in every scene they're in. I'm like, I just
1: can't handle that. I can't handle that. <laughs> like they, that's kind of true. That's, that's actually so true. Every scene they're in, they're always fighting. Yeah, like you guys, why,
0: how are you still together? Like you hate each other. Or, or I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not hate. Maybe it's disguised as something else. But like, it's never. There's no peace. There's no peace in this relationship.
1: No, you're you're a thousand percent right. There never is, and that's funny. I'm, I'm here on episode whatever twenty six, right? If there's twelve episodes, and it's like these two are never happy with each other. Yeah, like how did you ever get together? (laughs) What in the world? Oh god, that's so funny. Oh my god. Um if we can move on to to Ruth, the the other, she's kind of out there Fisher in this episode. Like I said earlier, she gets a call from Sarah that, you know, she wants to be visited, but we see that she actually uh is going through withdrawal, she's, you know, and we meet Kathy Bates, who plays Bethina on the show. Uh Kathy Bates, we we were uh do we agree she's kind of what a great actress and probably person? Kathy uh Kathy Bates is
0: Kathy Bates is one of the best actresses, uh, period, of all time. You like, forget
1: like you forget how much she's done. She's one of. The I,
0: I think I think Kathy Bates. You know she wrote a handful of episodes of Six Feet Under. Also, I know at least one, yeah. but there might yeah, have been others. Yeah. She uh, did so five in total. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So so she's she's obviously a brilliant writer. She's an amazing actress. She was the. There were other other good moments in this episode, but she was the the biggest bright spot in this episode. She is so amazing in everything that she's in. Uh, everything, and, everything and you don't always like her characters you know like like misery you're like she's yeah, terrifying yeah. but that's an amazing acting job like she's she's absolutely fantastic
1: yeah um and you know it's funny i kind of read this comment too on, on the av club it's kind of funny how she just naturally fits i guess i guess what i'm saying doesn't want to apply to this episode in particular but she fits perfectly into the six feet under universe you know she just just her how i don't even i can't even tell how much acting i don't know i guess that's a good actress right where you don't know where the line is um i I, she is fun i love her character her 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 everything about her in this show absolutely Um,
0: well i just want to say this one thing yeah yeah uh, is, is that you when she comes on the screen you're not like oh my gosh that's kathy bates
1: you're right. Like right, she, right.
0: she is the character. that That's yeah, that's what's so yeah. great about her. Like she's a yeah. famous actress. Has been a ton of stuff, high profile stuff. Like you know Kathy Bates, but she yeah. blends into the character, and that's really terrific.
1: And we see here that you know Sarah's, <laughs> she's she's withdrawing from pills. I, I don't know what other specific witch roll or drugs whatever she's doing uh we see viking and whatnot right uh i like the reveal that she started drugs be- she started with these pills right because she's no longer the prettiest or youngest woman in the room yeah the way bettina rolls her eyes and audibly shrugs yeah. <laughs> it <was> just. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well and, and and kudos to patricia clarkson because that was an amazing acting job yeah right like yeah. she she portrayed the the withdrawal uh, the detox really, really well.
1: One of the the and I forget who said it and forgive me, but someone was like, "This show managed to kind of like get the strongest squeeze out of every character on this show." Like uh, Keith, for example, uh, I don't think he's ever done anything else notably after the show. Well, Everyone, he, well, he
0: was in De- was he the was he in Dexter also?
1: No, no, was no, a different actor yeah it's yeah. been a while since I've seen it so I can't remember yeah no no um I, I totally see how you can make that because they're both uh buff black if, bald well men. If, I saw them together, <laughs> if I
0: saw them together I'd say oh yeah not the same actor but I'm, yeah, I'm yeah going, no I'm no going memory. I'm going from memory I'm going from yeah they're,
1: they're both they're both really really physical big brooding black bald men well and, so, and I think
0: like, I'm putting them both on screen with Michael Hall and I'm, I'm trying to yeah remember. yeah that's what I'm yeah. saying
1: too and you put them there right yeah. um no but, I don't
0: think I don't think I ever saw them in anything else
1: yeah uh, but uh, they all they all work within this show um, the, the it t- to talk about great acting right I think Francis Conroy if I was to rank uh, the, the jobs done by the acting jobs right I, I put Francis Conroy at the top because it's crazy when they're tying up Sarah right because they're they're gonna go outside and they're tying up Ruth kind of burst out you know she's like, do you want me to break your arm because I will? as someone who knows the Ruth character and everything watching this i was like oh damn damn ruth like you're... she really got uppity with sarah you know she kind of i don't want to say the term came into her own that moment in the episode yeah well well i mean her, her tran- transformation throughout the
0: series is really interesting right yeah yeah and 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 the and the different relationships she's she's in and how that changes her and uh, ruth is is one of the more fascinating characters in the series you know, uh-huh. and, 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 and I'm, yeah, I, I think at times she's super annoying too. However, I'm on the fence about her in, on that, on, in that conversation. Cause it's, at times you're like, yeah, she's just a really interesting character. Like I, like oh, I, yeah. I almost enjoy the annoying things about her. So it's you, you have a, you have mixed emotions about her for sure. She's at the top of that list.
1: She, she, she is the, uh, God, how do I say, if, can I say most faceted? Cause there are times where I find her absolutely adorable I find her character so sad that it hurts. I find her hilarious. And something like here too, it's like, Wow, go Ruth, you know. Um, I I enjoy her. I enjoy her most on the show, although she's not my favorite character.
0: Yeah, no, I think everything you just said makes sense and I, I agree with that.
1: I also like too when they the, uh, Bettina kind of goes you know, Ruth's like ah, how are you so calm whatever and she goes I took a Vicod, and she's like well shit my why don't I as well <laughs> yeah
0: and and speaking of the subtle comedy you mentioned that earlier in this episode uh, that was another moment a really terrific moment of comedy yeah and yeah. and and, uh, and Kathy Bates plays that perfectly like she sets that up and and her character is terrific
1: yep yep exactly and this plot line uh, the reason why I'm not gonna go oh again no spoilers thing basically this kind of just sets up bettina's back is is in the six feet under universe now like she's you know before she just kind of wrote a couple episodes kathy bates but you know we'll see here she becomes a, a recurring character and i guess she's kind of too big to become a one-off right even though this was 15 years ago
0: yeah and, she, and she's a refreshing addition to the cast you know for the arc that she's in You're like it's, yeah, it's a great yeah. it's, it's a it's a nice extra dimension
1: and our episode, we kind of talked a lot about it, uh, before, but I guess kind of to close out our episode, uh, uh Nate and Lisa are in bed and kind of having my notes here is that they are masking their problems. Cause it goes on to this like laundry list of stuff Nate has to do. And then fucking Lisa turns into Yoda. It's like, there is no trying, right? Like you're going to do it or you're not right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then Nate's like, no, no, Oh, uh, you know, I'll fucking do it. Whatever. Uh, and then they kind of go straight into, you know, about Carol and talking about her bush and how, you know, I'm going to give her whole milk to give her diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way they kind of flip like that. They're sort of masking, right? Like just <laughs> the flare up and, and the the quote unquote fighting they're not doing. Yeah. Well, and, and the
0: comment I meant to make, I intended to make earlier about as as a married person, having been married a few years, the way the way he handles her rather than elevating with her you know, like like yeah, he does get into arguments with her, but at the same time, he also kind of diffuses things with the way that he, like, because I could see getting into a huge argument in any of those situations and just blowing that up, but but he but he takes it and I and I and I don't and I mean it in a good way, not as a lap dog, but he's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn this into an argument. I'm gonna I'm gonna handle this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice to her about this, even though she's being annoying or or, <laughs> what, or whatever. Right. He handles those moments in a really respectable way.
1: And and not to get too much into this, right? But I imagine that's a facet. It's not of marriage, right? Of any relationship of knowing how to handle the other person where... For sure. You're going to unreasonably get angry about orange juice, but it's just letting that person be angry about the orange juice and then kind of moving on, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a good point you brought up. And I guess the actual episode ends up with... And it's one of the rare times I can remember Six Feet Under doing this where uh, Ruth and Bettina are on the hammock and... (laughs) it's kind of funny because ruth is like this is so peaceful and all you hear in the background is (laughs) sarah wailing from withdrawals and the conversation carries on while the credits roll and i i don't know it just felt different but you could kind of see that ruth kind of makes a new friend and she's already sitting there i don't know i forget what the conversation is but it's having a a finally like you know a friend for ruth in, in the show uh I just like that little touch of how our usually episode ends with a song and it goes into credits, and here it just kind of blends into blends into the night to say you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I think that was a great way to end this episode.
1: Uh, is there anything, anything I, I, I passed on or anything that you wanted to discuss throughout the episode? Because I kind of, I'm trying a new format here, so I'm just hopping all over the place essentially. So no, it, it,
0: I think we went through everything in order. I, I can't think of anything in particular. Yeah, I thought we covered yeah. it all
1: uh a character you hated again try without spoilers but in the end the character you hated most of your of your love the show hate the characters stand
0: like in this episode or the series overall
1: series series overall (laughs) there's that side yeah let me well
0: uh, (laughs) give me give me just a moment or two to to answer the question to think about it I, i i'm not sure if there's i'm not sure if there's a Two characters in the series that that annoy me the more than than Brenda and Billy. When when that when that story arc was over and they were gone, uh, I was really relieved and, and I thought, okay, now I can really enjoy the show. But then there were some other people or moments, but but I, I was very relieved when they were out of the out of the series. And so it, it has to be them. Maybe maybe in second place is is David and Keith, like we mentioned earlier, because because they're never happy. You're like <laughs> like just have an episode or two where they're going, where they're doing well, yeah. You know? Like that, oh, like, the, like the, it, they almost tried too hard to make the relationship real or like, Hey, people don't yeah. fight all the time. Every time, you know, <laughs> they don't not for that long. They do. They, they, yeah, they yeah. break up, they end their marriage or whatever. So, um, so that they're probably second, but def I, I would have to say Brenda and Billy are tied.
1: You know, as a podcaster, um, I hate the Billy and Brenda relationship because it, it, when, when they came on screen and I have to d- discuss them. I'm always saying the same thing. And it's just like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to understand. Right. Right.
0: I, I, I think, I think similarly, similarly to, to David and Keith, you know, like, like they, and it's hard to criticize the show cause it's so terrific, but, but they almost tried too hard. Like, like they became stereotypes. Like, like we're going to, we're going to make these two kids that that grew up with therapist parents weird. You mm-hmm. screwed up by their parents. We're like, okay, well fine. Then they have elements of that, but don't make it everything about them. Right, like they just they just took it too far, right? Like, sure, it's 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 understandable to be screwed, possibly screwed up if you have two therapist parents, right? I get it. Make that a dimension of them, but don't make that defining. It was just too much.
1: It's so funny. I've I've again, like I said, I'm here doing the podcast. I'm in season three. I've watched the show ten years or whatever ago. I, this never even occurred to me that all they fucking do is fight, and it, that's that's not like a a part like you just said. It's not a part of their character. It's their character. The right. Keith and David relationship exists solely to fight. Um, right. Yeah, and and that, that's that's, really that, that's
0: draining. It wears you out as a viewer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like I like that the show's weird. I like that there's conflicts. I like that there's awkward moments. You know. I like yeah. that, I like uh, that all the characters are multidimensional. <laughs> I like I like things that are unexpected. But, but that's, it's just all, it's just, that's one dimensional. I think that's yeah. one dimensional. Yeah. Like when they're on screen, you know, what's going to happen. It's they're gonna be, <laughs> It's going to be uncomfortable and they're going to argue about something stupid and they're going to talk about how the relationship is doomed. <laughs> that, that's why it's, it, you know, it's kind of like Brenda and Billy. Like, that's why you're tired of having them on the show. Like I, I'm just going to say the same thing. Cause it doesn't change. It's too one dimensional.
1: Yep. Yep. Nope. Agreed. Chris, if we could, uh, if you just want to uh, tell folks where to find you and the podcast, again, please, uh, again, the the, pod, the podcast is called The Gravity Beard Podcast.
0: Yes, it's it's called Gravity Beard, and it's on iTunes and Podbean and other places you can find podcasts. Uh, we're on Twitter at The Gravity Beard. Uh, we also, we're also on Facebook. The other thing I want to plug is kind of a show inside of a show is um, something we do called uh, This Week Today, and we've got our own Twitter uh, page for that, This Week Pod, and then uh, we've got another group, uh, which I I'm not sure if you're in or not, that we, we started fairly recently. Oh,
1: fuck. You told me about this and I forgot to do it. Go yeah. on.
0: No, that's okay. It's it's called Underdog Pods. Uh, the, well, it's called the Underdog Podcast Community. It's on Facebook. It's a discussion group for fans and, and creators of independent podcasts. So if you are one of those, uh, then please come come join the discussion. You know, We put it up three or four weeks ago. It's grown really quickly. And it's just a great group of really talented creators of independent podcasts and, and fans of those shows. So... Uh, I, I felt like now that I've been a year into independent podcasting that I wanted to champion that, uh, because all the popular podcasts get plenty of attention. And, uh, and so I want, and there's lots of, there's many, many terrific podcast discussion groups and communities out on Facebook and Twitter. I wanted one that was strictly in that we, all we talked about and all we promoted was independent podcasts because, uh, cause I, I don't think, I don't think there's one out there exclusively just for that. So it's under underdog podcast community and on Facebook and underdog pods on Twitter.
1: Yep, and I'm trying to get it on there on Facebook, but yes, you you told me about that when we were messaging about a month or so ago, and I failed to do that. But yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome.
0: And and what, what I've what I've I was just an accident, just a coincidence. But what I've appreciated about that group is the huge variety of shows that have ended up there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not it's yeah. not it's not all one thing or just a couple of things. Like there's a huge range, and you know, I've I've come across some podcasts that I didn't know existed that I've really really enjoyed since we started the group.
1: Yeah. Yeah uh awesome uh uh chris thank you this was a lot of fun um i tried to like you know i didn't want it to harp on the entire episode being you know again your your premise of you you enjoy the show the characters but i think we we squeezed enough out of it and um it was a fun episode to do that on so thank you thank you for joining us chris
0: yeah you're very welcome and, and thank you for having me this this was a lot of fun and and it's um it's it's been a few years since I watched this show. It was, it was I really appreciate I really appreciate having a reason to go back and view it, you know, see it again because it's great. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, next week we'll be doing episode three, which typical me I don't have the episode title at hand, but I'll be having uh, Neil McGarry of the Nitpicking the Next Generation podcast. Uh, he was on last season with us, really funny, and uh, I know the conversation will be as funny again next week. And that's it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Hey! Thank you for
0: listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The
1: Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.